stuns AP ranked number 17 Texas Christian on the road. Shadour Sanders set a school record for passing yards in a game. Travis Hunter laid down a gauntlet for the Heisman Trophy. And that is even before we get to my favorite part, which is Coach Prime getting it in. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching wherever you get your podcast, listening, downloading the Fox Sports app, the YouTubes, the Twitters, because today we're going to get into, hey, Ohio State has a starter, we think, Michigan, and how it fared without its head coach and offensive coordinator on the sideline. Oklahoma had a statement win where it put up 73 points, but that's not even the most impressive statistic of the day. And two, count them, two power five programs putting money in the bag. But first, Coach Prime has kept his receipts. We told you we're coming. We told you we're coming. You thought we was joking. And guess what? We keep receipts. God bless you, America. And I keep my receipts. Two. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I saw how the Peoples was getting after us, for me ranking Colorado number 20 in my preseason poll, I had to ask, what is it that y'all think that I see that you don't see? What is it about Deion Sanders and Coach Prime at Colorado that has led you to believe that somehow they're going to come out here and not lose but get boat raced by Texas Christian? Now, what you're looking at, is a 45-42 to 42 win on the road against the national title runner-up. And there's so much to pull from in this game. But I'm going to start with QB1, the guy that I have been telling you week in and week out is one of the three best quarterbacks, regardless of division in the sport last year, because he was putting up numbers that only Caleb Williams, who has the Heisman Trophy, and C.J. Stroud, who was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, had put up last year, and he did it at Jackson State. And then today, it's not just that he threw for 510 yards. It's that he was 38 of 47 in doing so, which means he completed 81% of his passes. 81% and over five bills on the national title runner-up doing what Michigan could not do last year in the Fiesta Bowl. And that's just one aspect of what made this game outstanding for Colorado. The second that we have to get to is Travis Hunter announcing himself like we have never seen a two-way player announce himself in the 21st century. You really got to take it back to Charles Woodson for the last time that people were talking about Travis Hunter, excuse me, talking about a player like Travis Hunter the way that they did today. 11 receptions for 119 receiving yards and an interception, and played over 110 snaps. I saw a snap count as high as 129 for perspective here. Again, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Ohio State and Indiana combined for just 56 offensive snaps in the first half, and yet the question was not, can Travis Hunter play? It's, can he keep up this level of productivity for the rest of the game? And that's exactly what he did on some big third-down plays. He came up huge on when they had to have an interception in the end zone. He came up huge. He actually had, man, he nearly had two 
that really fell into his hands, and he's running routes, right? That's what he did all day. He ran routes with the offensive side of the ball, and he ran routes on the defensive side of the ball. Nothing about what he was doing was taking time off. I was really impressed with him and Shadour Sanders, but those are two known commodities. Guys that announced themselves during this game are also Jimmy Horn, who also had 11 catches and over 100 yards. Dylan Edwards had 159 total yards and four touchdowns. Now, the thing that impressed me most about him is as a true freshman, it's not just that they trust him to make plays. It's that he fumbled a football. TCU picked that ball up when he got points off of it. And what's that man do but come back and make a big play and take it to the house and get the game-winning score on really what was a game that was up for uh, for grabs, really, right? We're talking about a true freshman who has set a high embark that he wants to hit. He wants to be an All-American. And after today, you could see how that could be the case. Jimmy Horn, uh, my goodness, Dylan Edwards, and then we're talking about Xavier Weaver, all guys that showed themselves to be huge, but none more than the offensive line. The question that many people had asked and the one that I was most likely to feel because it was coming from a nice place is, RJ, I understand that you feel great about Coach Prime. Who doesn't? I understand that you feel great about Shadour Sanders, even though many people don't. We all know that Travis Hunter is one of the better football players in the sport. But that offensive line, dog, are they going to be able to keep Shadour Sanders upright to do what he knows how to do in the pocket? They did that and then some. The thing I need to point out to you and the thing that you need to point out at church tomorrow is that three of the five offensive linemen who started for Colorado today are grad transfers. One of those guys, right, is also an upperclassman and one of just three starters that Coach Prime kept in the re-ramp of the roster playing at that guard spot. So they only had one underclassman on the offensive line, four upperclassmen on the offensive line, and it had its problems, right? We had false starts that you shouldn't have had. We had a snap infraction, which... Basically means the center doesn't know the snap count, right? And yet and still, they were able to put together the kind of offense that was explosive, that gave Shador Sanders time to be great, that gave Travis Hunter time to find windows, that gave Jimmy Horn time to find windows. It's one thing to throw 510 yards, another thing to keep your quarterback upright long enough to do such a thing, okay? So the offense in and of itself putting up 45 points, you can see why I had Sean Lewis as an early contender for the Broyles Award which goes to the top assistant in college football, for which I have a vote this year, very much invested, and they put up 45 points today. That's nothing to sneeze at, and they did it against an AP-ranked college football program and what was the number 15 team in my preseason ranking. So that was a number 20 versus number 15 matchup for me, and it was a non-ranked to a number 17 for literally everybody else, all right? When we're talking about Colorado, we have to talk about them being on their same timeline because. One of the things that you can take from this win is that Colorado, like USC last year and like Texas Christian last year, proved you don't need a four-year cycle to get good, son. You can do it in an offseason if you are relentless in recruiting the portal. The same program that Prime used at Jackson State is the one he laid over the top of Colorado. He needed 40% grad transfers. 40% transfers and 20% high school freshmen. That is what they did. And if you look at the two deep, it is littered with grad transfers. It is littered with guys that got their degrees elsewhere. It's littered with guys that aren't going to be stuck on your scholarship books after the year if you don't need them to be. And in this age of college football, where everybody is upset and mad 
about kids being able to hit the portal whenever they want, so much so that we're trying to put more shackles on the kids to keep them in place longer, Prime has used that to his advantage. And a program that went 1-11 last year is already 1-0 this year. Hello? Now, other thing to take from this is that this narrative about HBCU football and its players and its coaches don't translate immediately to Power 5 wins is dead. Colorado murdered it today on the road against the national title runner-up in a dogfight. From the outset, they said it doesn't matter where we play ball. It matters that we can ball, all right? All I heard was you had depth. All you heard was you got to have depth. All you heard was if Prime is able to put up a winner this week, he's done one of the better coaching jobs that we've seen in the last century. Yeah, because he's him. Again, I ranked them not just because it's Prime. I ranked them in part because of what other programs like his have done under similar circumstances. Lincoln Riley goes from Oklahoma to SC. SC's 4-8 and eight in 2021. But they ranked number 14 in the Associated Press preseason poll last year because he had done what Prime had done, bringing a top quarterback, overhaul the roster, bring in outstanding coaches, and get straight to work winning football games. Now, it's difficult to over to well, not overstate, but I guess it is. It's difficult to overstate what this win means for Colorado in particular, right? Because we're talking about a program that is just awful prior to prime. But we're also talking about a program that everybody, save me and you, thought was going to be a laughing stock, thought was going to be a joke, thought was going to get made fun of. And by the end of the first half, everybody knows, oh, damn, they came to play. Oh, damn, they might actually beat up on a team that's picked to finish at the top of the Big 12 conference. Oh, damn, they got depth at all the positions that are necessary for depth. Now, lots of other things to pick from this, but not the least of which is we know what Colorado needs to fix. That's how good they are at what they're good at, right? They're great in the secondary. They're great at skill positions. They're pretty doggone good offensively. They're a little bit soft through the middle. We saw that because Trey Sanders and Imani Bailey were basically running roughshod through the middle of the front seven whenever there was a crease. And if Shiloh Sanders and Travis Hunter don't make plays, we're talking about probably a different score. You can't give up 42 and expect people to say nice things about your defense. Charles Kelly knows this better than anybody because he was coaching for Nick Saban just last year. Okay? So we know they got to fix that. We also know that special teams right now at Colorado is a liability. All right? You damn near gave off a kickoff return for touchdown that lost could have lost you the game. And you had a field goal blocked because your timing was off with your snapper and your kicker because they were able to get to the ball before your kicker was able to get to the ball. That's not supposed to be the thing, okay? But if they get those things fixed, they can make some noise in the Pac-12. And they will, if nothing else, can remain ranked in my top 25. We'll see how far I move them. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in my moving and shakers bit here. But you understand what this means. You understand that you're going to continue to watch Colorado play football, and we're all going to be glued to the television next week when they play Nebraska on Big Noon. Again, in prime time, prime time where I work is the 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Get on the train, okay? Big Noon is our game. It's the one that we sell out for. It's the one that we love the most. It's the one where my eyes are glued. And today, for four quarters, I got the best football that we've seen all weekend. 
we get to see 87 points scored in a game that matters in what is going to be a conference game in just a year's time. But one of the things that I also took from this is Joel Klatt, you'll know, played quarterback at Colorado about 15, 20 years ago, right? It was really great when he had to play against a guy named Vince Young, Texas, but really was the last time that Colorado was relevant and certainly the last time that we thought about them winning more than six games in a year, okay? He said, this is the best player in Shadur Sanders I've ever seen play the quarterback position or one of them, right? I think Shadur Sanders is already up there with Slash. To the old heads, you know Slash. To the young heads, Cordell Stewart. And that's my way of segueing back to 1995, right? I believe head coach is Rick Neuheisel at the time. And Colorado's ranked number 14 at the time in the preseason. They go up to Madison. They get a win against Wisconsin. That was also the last time that Colorado went on the road in an opener and won a football game. 28 years ago, folk. That's where we're at. We're talking about Prime being unprecedented in his life. We're talking about him being unprecedented as an athlete. And now we're talking about him being unprecedented as a head coach. He is 28 and three in his last two years in a game as a head coach. It is not a man who is used to losing. As a matter of fact, the last time the prime was part of a losing football team was the Baltimore Raven playing at 35 years old. Okay. It's been some time. It's been a while, but it should not be shocking to you. And it shouldn't be shocking to anybody that hears this because I had said, and I will continue to say, if Texas Christian can go five and seven in 2021 and end up in the national title game in 2022, why the hell can't you think that Colorado's going to be good? I didn't say play in a national championship. I didn't even say win a Pac-12 championship. I said be one of the top 25 teams in our sport. And right now, I dare you to find somebody who says differently also add in there because i picked colorado unlike some i'm undefeated in my picks and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more but what does this mean for tcu it means that you lost to a good football team now did many people think it was a good football team no but i hope after watching them play against what we all thought was a good football team in texas christian they will come away with that now joe gillespie's got some work to do there's nothing good about 510 yards being passed on your defense. And there's nothing good about 81% of those passes being completions. Knowing that there's a guy on the other team that has enough juice to go both ways and still beat up on you to the tune of 11 catches for 119 yards and a TD, that's not going to sit well with you. Dylan Edwards being able to get what he wants is not going to sit well with you. But they do have guys on the back end that can play. And I think that Texas Christian is going to purport themselves like a team that played in the Big 12 championship game last year. I don't think this is a failing of Texas Christian. Matter of fact, I'm telling y'all, for those of y'all that saw this game and immediately tried to fix your lips to say, maybe Texas Christian ain't that good. Maybe Texas Christian is bad. You weren't telling that damn lie yesterday. And remember, you got to go to church tomorrow. So don't do nothing today. You got to repent for tomorrow. Okay? Just say, Colorado's a good football team who beat a good football team and leave it there. Only receipts that I'm going to keep are the ones for which y'all will lob it at me. And there's a, ooh, there's so many of y'all. So many of them that will lob it at us for picking Colorado. But Texas Christian, Trey Sanders back there, a battering ram. Really love watching that guy score touchdowns. It's, as hard as it is for Texas Christian fans to believe at this point, nobody's rooting more for Trey Sanders on that team than me. I have been in on that dude since he was a high school recruit. And he has battled back and battled back. And now he's big and he's strong. 
and they trust him to go power into the end zone, and that was great to see. Jared Wiley might end up being an all-Big 12 tight end. He could get anything he wanted in the middle of that defense. He was a matchup nightmare. There was nothing that they were going to do to be able to stop Jared Wiley, so much so that I'm going Chandler. At some point, I'd just be throwing it up to 6'7", 250, dog. Like, Colorado didn't have nothing they could do with them, and I think that's going to be consistent for Jared Wiley. I think JoJo Earl is going to come on in a big way. And Monty Bailey showed out. Chandler Morris is still a dude. He can play. I think that as they get a little bit more interested in their run game, Kendall Bryles, yeah, Texas Christian is going to put up another 42 points, and they're going to be a tough out. This is not a coffin nail for Texas Christian. It's going to hurt them in the rankings coming in week two, but we still got 11 regular season games for them to play, and I expect them to be in the hunt in the Big 12 title race. All right, let's shut the door right now on Colorado and Texas Christian to pick it up just a little bit later in the show as we talk about rankings. Next on the docket for us, number three, Ohio State, gets a workmanlike win against Indiana 23-3. Now, going into this game, all of our eyes were on Ohio State and its quarterback position. While Indiana's a Big Ten East team, they've been 6-18 and 18 over the last two years. So what we're really interested in is, does Kyle McCord or Devin Brown purport himself to be the starter in this game? And it feels kind of like Ryan Day made that decision for us because we saw way more of Kyle McCord than we saw of Devin Brown. And even as Kyle McCord threw an interception, it felt like Devin Brown was going to have an opportunity. He comes in, he gets three and out. We don't really see him much, but getting some rhythm on the offense was really hard for Ohio State to do against Matt Gieri's defense. I mean, full marks to Matt Gieri, who had been working as an assistant over at Ohio State the year before, took a brief cup of coffee down in Tulsa before taking the job as defense coordinator in Indiana and really kind of knew what they wanted to do and had Aaron Casey filling those gaps, man. Indiana, number 44, everywhere that you want to be, that dude might be an all-Big Ten defender by the end of the year, but this game went the way that we thought it was going to go in as far as wins, right? We thought Ohio State was going to win, but does Ohio State look like the kind of team that can win a Big Ten championship? Not right now. That was my thought. They still got some work to do, and they got time to work it out, right? They got one more game before they got to play against what I think is going to be their first test against Notre Dame. We'll probably get some more definitive answers on the quarterback, but I got to wonder what Devin Brown was thinking on the sideline about, I thought I was going to play this, and he did. Was he playing enough? Did Kyle McCord show enough? Did Kyle McCord's relationship with the receivers, in particular Marvin Harrison Jr., show enough? I mean, Felt like he and Cade Stover had some things going on, but Travion Henderson having a hard time running on that defense. Julian Fleming showed flashes of who he is. Emeka Buka still is that guy, but they're still figuring it out on the offensive line too, right? You lose the kind of tackles that they did. You're trying to replace the kind of talent that they are. Yeah, you're probably going to try look a little rough as you go into week one, no matter who it is. This week is an Indiana team that prided itself on defense. We will see if Ohio State continues to progress in a positive manner going into week two. I don't think this is really going to change their ranking for me because Ohio State on talent is really, really great, and they passed your eye test. I just want to see them be a little bit more polished. Another Big Ten East team that we are following very, very closely, number two Michigan beats East Carolina 30-3. to What is significant about this game isn't just that J.J. McCarthy showed up in a free Harbaugh shirt which is funny. I don't care who you are. I like seeing that. It's that they were able to get this win without Harbaugh and offensive coordinator Sharon Moore in the box or on the sideline, right? That means that the kids 
really do a great job of playing for each other. This is a lesson I learned from last year. Coaches matter only so much. Like, we want to really talk about what coaches do as far as an attitude for a program. But when it comes to playing X's and O's, that's players. I mean, we saw that with Colorado, Texas Christian. We see, saw it with Michigan last year and the year before. It doesn't matter who the coordinators are for them if they believe in what they're doing. J.J. McCarthy is your guy. Blake Corm is a dude. Donovan Edwards is a dude. Roman Wilson is a dude. And that's before we get to Jesse Minter getting his first win as an acting head coach and defensive coordinator. I can't think of many defensive coaches who call the plays as a head coach, but he succeeded in doing that in a win against a G5 opponent that is not an easy team to beat up on in East Carolina as much as people want to believe that. Yes, Michigan should have won this game by 27, but that they did and they took care of business says more about the program and where it is situated than anything else, and that is in a position to be a three-time Big Ten champion, which means right now it feels like we're talking about Michigan being able to beat up on Ohio State three times in a row for the first time since the 90s. Now, a lot of football between now and Thanksgiving weekend when the game happens, but based on what we have seen today, which is all we have right now, and this is what we're going to evaluate, Michigan still looks like the better of the team. Finishing this out, J.J. McCarthy went 26 of 30 for 280 yards for three TDs, zero picks. And Michigan opened in a train formation, putting fours in the air in honor of Jim Harbaugh. Hey, man, if nothing else, I will say this about Jim Harbaugh. His kids, his players absolutely love him. As unorthodox as we can think that dude is, and as kind of cheesy from time to time he looks, Mr. King Khakis, the guys in that locker room will run through brick walls for him, and that matters more to me than anything else. If the kids believe in you, I believe in you. Because my first thought is, what do the kids want and how do the kids feel about what they're doing? Obviously, the kiddos in Ann Arbor feel real good about their head coach being Jim Harbaugh. All right, let's go back to the Big 12, where my Oklahoma Sooners, number 20 in the Associated Press poll, put it on. Jim Arkansas State, Red Wolves, 73. Hold up, hold up, hold up. 73, 73 to zero. Zero! Holy smokes, guys! All right, I went into this, given my picks, for which I'm 4-0, might be 5-0, we'll see how Florida State LSU goes. And I said, hey, man, what I need from Oklahoma is to put goose eggs up. Giving up 30 a game last year, 461 yards of offense, can't happen. Not anything associated with Brent Venables, it can't happen. And they took that to heart. I was so proud not for the 28 they scored in the first quarter, not for the 45 they scored by halftime, and not for the 73 they had with 9.43 left in the fourth quarter. But with, no, 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 you will not get in to the end zone and you will not kick a ball through those uprights. We will not allow it. Danny Stutzman leading that defense in what is the first scoreless affair of his tenure at Oklahoma, and it feels like the Sooners have something. Now, I was on this train last year when Oklahoma starts 3-0 and and then ran into Big 12 play and something else entirely happened. So I don't want to get too far. And what do white folks say? Over my skis? I don't go skiing, so I think that's what they say. But I do want to say, when you put up 642 yards offense, when your quarterback can go for 323 and three TDs in the first half, and your defense can stop a G5 opponent from scoring, hell, it's hard to feel bad about that. It's hard not to get... 
just just a little little bit of pride back, right? Circling OU Texas on the calendar, feeling like you got something that you got to prove after 49 to zero, feeling like you can't wait to get to that first Saturday in October because somebody deserved a whooping. Yeah, I'm right there for it. Statement win with the goose egg in the column, in the score column for the Red Wolves. Butch Jones, brick by brick. <laughs> Over there taking a knee because he's taking too many bricks from them Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> let's go. All right. Let's go to big movers and shakers in the rankings. Nothing definitive here because I still want to watch Florida State LSU, the only ranked matchup of the weekend, which goes on tomorrow, right? But Colorado, they're going to move up. TCU, they're going to move down. That's, that's how wins and losses work. Okay. For me, that was a ranked affair. For me, that was the second ranked uh, matchup on the schedule behind Florida State and LSU. And it lived up to the billing, right? The thing is, in our sport, in any sport, for teams to be hyped the way that some people claim that they are hyped and for them to exceed that hype is, well, what we live for. It's what I live for. As, as a guy who gets to chronicle these stories and gets to talk about what transpires and what it means, I love that game. And I love that game being week one. I love that it was as exciting as we all thought it could be. And we were rewarded for all of the attention that we gave to Colorado over the year. I'm also, once again, going to point out, not everybody that you know and listen to got a podcast says something nice about Colorado, and you should go and ask them why. You should go and ask them, how come you didn't see Colorado beating Texas Christian? How come you thought the Texas Christian was going to put up 50 and win 50 to 7 against Colorado? You should ask them. You know, you should inquire. That is your right as a listener and a viewer of their shows. Now, let us move on to one of the proprietary and most exciting segments of this here number one college football show. Let us find out who is putting money in the bag. It's not just that Northern Illinois beat Boston College 27-24 in overtime. It's that the Eagles paid $1.1 million for the privilege. BC, I say you've been had. I said you've been took. I said you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. This is what he does. <laughs> Northern Illinois with the shimmy in the shag. Boston College. Put the money in the bag. It's not just that Fresno State beat Purdue 39-35 in West Lafayette. It's that the Boilermakers paid $1.35 million for the privilege. <laughs> Purdue, you've been had. I said you've been hoodwinked, you've been bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. Fresno State with the shimmy in the shag. Purdue put the money in the bag. God, dog, I like that segment. I love Fresno State. They have been giving to the money in the bag for three years now. Going back to 2021, when they had UCLA putting the money in the bag in 2021, $1.1 million. One day y'all gonna learn, you just don't schedule them Bulldogs. <laughs> you, just, you just don't schedule the whooping and the robbery. That's just not how that works. 
You're not going you're not going to look good that way, right? Some boosters going, "Did I just give 1 million dollars of my money away to Fresno State?" Yeah. Did I just give 1 million of my dollars away uh, to Northern Illinois? Yeah, you did, BC grad. Yeah, you do did, BC alum. It be like that sometimes. But you know what? That's also the sport. We talk about how these college football programs get funded. It's games like this, right? But it don't feel good when you're holding one of these after week one and your pockets is empty. All right. I'm going to finish this by saying, hey, we're going to talk about Florida State. LSU on Tuesday, the next time that you will see this here show, where we will talk about my top 25 rankings going into week two, the Associated Press poll rankings going into week two, and the outcome of Florida State and LSU, which is the last game that I picked that we have to decide. And I'm 4-0. I feel good about going 5-0, Florida State. I said I feel good about going 5-0, Florida State. Mike Norvell, come on now. Be a friend to the show. Go take care of business. Go do what we thought you were going to do in the ACC. All right. That is going to do it for this live episode of the number one college football show recapping week one. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our assistant producer is Kiara Santana. Our director is Dave Gross-Sable. On the ones and twos, we got Niles Owen, Big Dad Energy in the house. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Tawana Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all on Tuesday. Deuces.